Who can take a podcast? Fill it up with bees. Talk about a movie, paint a portrait or two. The Candy Boys. That's right. It's America's sweetest podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, but they used to call me Old Candy Hands down at the ranch. You say my name. Ben Sheets? Hello, Ben. Yes. Now say it five times. Ben Sheets, Ben Sheets, Ben Sheets, Ben Sheets, Ben Sheets. Ooh. I summoned him. He's here. I'm oh here. He's hello. Here to, he's here for the podcast. <laughs> also, hello. My name is Cleveland Mosier, but today, and only today, you can call me Man Candy. I call you that every night in my dreams. Aw, thanks, <laughs> bud. Well, we're back at it again with the white vans. Uh, God, that's a fucking old meme. Why did I do that? I don't even get it. I, that one just went that's, right over my head. Damn, Daniel. Back at it again with the white vans. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Maybe the worst meme of a the meme, past decade. A meme that feels almost as old as Bernard Rose's classic film, Candyman, of which we are not talking about this evening. We're talking about the brand new 2021 sequel slash soft reboot. Soft reboot. Soft reboot uh, of Candyman, uh, directed by Nia DaCosta. However, I do recommend our Candyman episode, which we did do. We did. It's a good one. I actually just revisited it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to gather my thoughts a little bit. Nice. As I mentioned, the, this this film is uh, directed by Naya DaCosta and stars Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, Tiana Paris, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, and Coleman Domingo, uh, and was uh, partially written by Jordan Peele. I did see that he had a, a credit. Uh, he did have a screenplay credit, and he is listed as one of the writers on IMDb. Um, his name was kind of used to hype this thing up for the last several years, because uh, I think when it was initially announced, he was attached as the director as well. And Lakeith Stanfield was supposed to play the main character. That's right! I forgot yeah. about that. I wouldn't have remembered it, except that I mentioned it in our, our original our episode. episode. Yeah. yeah, I had forgotten about that. Man, it, it's kind of a shame that he's not in it, but at the same time, I thought the lead in this was, was pretty good. Yeah, you did a fine job. Uh, so I, I, did, yeah. I didn't feel like he needed to be recast. I saw someone on Twitter mention recently that uh, Jordan Peele is now sort of like what Guillermo del Toro was 10 years ago. Somebody whose name you slap on uh, horror movies to build hype for no-name directors. Uh, I think that that is that is a, a pretty a pretty apt description. I appreciate that it's Guillermo del Toro and not James Wan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think well, I think Gabriel del Toro is a much better comparison for many reasons. Yeah, but I do think that I, I think that they're a good comparison because a lot of the horror movies from like the early 2010s that had del Toro's name on them that he produced turned out to be kind of bad. Um, I think of things like uh, Mama, uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, stuff like that. 
I mean, this is still going on till today. I mean, it's Antlers is, is that's true. A, that does have Del Toro's name produced. on it. Mm-hmm. I but weirdly, I don't I don't make that association. Every time I see the trailer, I see his name, and I was like, oh yeah, weird. Jordan Another Peele. film that has been delayed for an extended period of time, and we have been watching the ads for for like two years. Yep. Thank you, COVID. Yep. Thank you, COVID. We saw the Red Band trailer recently that seemed to be exactly the same as the non-Red Band trailer. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, I think going into this, there was some trepidation amongst us because although we were excited for it, uh, especially in the last couple of years uh, that this thing has continued to get delayed, Jordan Peele's name has been slapped on as a producer to some uh, pretty shitty projects. Uh, the Twilight Zone reboot, uh, Lovecraft Country sucked shit. So... I think we all went into this with with a little bit of a little bit of trepidation. Like, yeah, I was nervous. I was trying not to be. I was trying really hard to like play it off, you know, and just go in easy with it. Um, I remember saying in the car on the way over that as long as it doesn't pay disservice to the original, I'm I'm going to try and be okay with it. You know, like that was my biggest concern is a lot of these remakes uh, often spit in the face of the original. Uh, see our fairly recent episodes on the Dawn of the Dead remake or on uh, this is more my personal per- opinion, but uh, see our, our, our more recent Dawn of the Dead episode or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Mm, yeah, um, it's uh, something I've, I've seen a few times now and I hate it. And I, I think that it's it's important to. To honor those that became before you, and if you're going to be doing a, a, re- a reboot, soft reboot, remake, sequel, whatever, um, it's important to like pay respect to you know what came before and to acknowledge the source material. Now, that's very different from jamming it chock full of references or whatever else, but just you know uh, having you know homages you know done properly. I'm not that against remakes personally. I I think that. Um, Macbeth is a story that can be told many times, every uh, generation, just every few years. Um, I think there has to be it, it can enough, be the same. There has to be enough time to breathe in between. I think so many remakes and reboots these days are rapid fire. If one isn't successful, time to immediately start on another one. You know, this is particularly prevalent in, in superheroes, uh, I think more so than anything else. But you, you do see it. Uh, and I think that this this movie has the benefit of, uh, you know, being a, a soft reboot 30 years later. Um, I think also one of its saving graces is that Jordan Peele did have a hand in writing the screenplay. That helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... I still have some issues with the script, but we yes, can get into that I later. I do, too. He's not the sole writer, but he does have a hand in it, and I think that that's part of what saves the movie from being bad. My general thoughts on this one are, sort of going into it, I was thinking, well, you know, Candyman as a concept has a lot of room for interpretation, that's the whole idea of Candyman, right? He is a he is an urban legend given form by belief, and that changes as his story changes. So that offers a lot of freedom to do something new and fresh with the idea, um, and sort of like what seeing the trailers going into this, there were uh, giving Candyman a a new origin. Um, they were they were rewriting the story, um, and 
So I, I went into it with with a pretty open mind, and I, I think that that mostly holds true. Um, do I think that this movie did a disservice to the original Candyman? No. Uh, does it stand up to the original Candyman? Also, no. Uh, it 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 falls a bit short, and I think that we were sort of talking a little bit when we were standing outside the theater last night. Then that it just it lacks a lot of the the clarity of purpose that the first one has. Um, its message is a little bit muddled. I think it has some good messages in it, but it doesn't quite feel like it knows what it wants to say all the time. I yeah, I felt that the the high points never hit the same highs. Also, the original Candyman is really well paced. It's it is uh, one of the best paced like monster films. It's very um, deliberate in my pace too. Yes, it's very yes. slow. And I, I re, you know I just listened to our episode. We were talking about how methodical and slow it is. Where like a lot of the audience probably thought they were getting a slasher movie, and it's very much not that. And uh, this movie, the the pace is definitely picked up. But unlike you guys, I actually didn't like this movie very much. I thought it was kind of bad. Like you mentioned, Tease, uh, it was missing a sort of clarity of purpose. On a basic level, I, it felt like it was made to push a jumble of ideas more so than to make an effective horror movie. Yeah, it's, In so it's, far it's as, a little messy. Yeah, it almost feels like Naya DaCosta doesn't really like horror movies very much. I think of a lot of the the scary scenes in this movie and they're they're not super well done and they're not particular. I know it's, it's quote unquote scary is subjective. So I hate to, you know, use the argument it wasn't scary because that's such a bullshit argument, but like it I just, kind of I kind of agree with you in that regard, though. I didn't find it particularly scary. I don't know if I agree that the horror sequences were all done badly. Some were done better than others, but it definitely didn't feel like a very scary film. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to like the weight of the scenes uh, being affected by the pacing. Uh, for me, um, like when it comes to the cinematography, I thought it was fine. Um, yeah, it shot really like, nicely. That's worth mentioning because like that's that's a point that. You know, I think it's a little bit easier to to latch on to. But no, I do agree. I'm kind of half playing devil's advocate here. I I, I do I do believe this, but I, I'm not super married to it because I, I still don't think it totally sells as being effective. But anyway, my point being that I do think it's messy. I also think the message is in in some cases intentionally messy and that sort of miasma of ideas being thrown at the canvas do play into the theme. Uh it's a bit of a spoiler here so you know you you've heard our our takes on it you know uh, again coming out of the theater mind is mostly relief um that this movie wasn't a nightmare and i don't feel like it's bad in the face of the original like mm-hmm. i think i think that the original can still exist and you'll probably have a fine time watching it after seeing the original um but it, it's just it's probably not gonna like knock your it's not gonna blow your dick off like no. like the original did or blow whatever off you know not that i don't exclude anybody but um uh the, the point is when it comes to movies everyone has a dick that can be blown off yes yeah you're metaphorical uh whatever anyway so <laughs> spoilers ahead um because I, I think it's 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 important to to talk about to to use this to talk about it but the 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 theme is and you, you'll probably notice it if you've seen the trailer and you've seen the original film one of the things they make very clear is that this candy man has a different origin story mm. And by the end of the film, we see that 
Candyman has many origin stories. Mm, yeah. And I think that's sort of the messiness, right? Like, Candyman is, as I mentioned on the, t- on, on the previous podcast, a, a tulpa, right? Like, Candyman is a thought form that exists, you know, as urban legend and urban myth. And that legend and myth changes, and it exists in many forms, uh, and it shifts over time. Uh, you do get a little bit of that in the original film. Um, if I remember correctly, but this movie sort of built on that concept. And I think in some cases in a cool way, uh, I did, I did like some of the new origin stories for him and, uh, and how that played out and sort of allowed him to like latch onto this new person. But it did come at the cost of like the, the weight being stripped away uh, a little bit. I, I, I do, I do agree with that, but I, I do think like thematically it does kind of fit. It's just that messiness as a theme isn't always the most appealing. That's the thing. I think there's, I think there's a very important distinction to be made between the messiness of the Candyman story and the messiness of the film Candyman's Ex- story and the the execution of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But too, what I'm I, saying is like that the messiness like of the execution reflects the messiness of the themes. Sure. Is what I mean. Or you know, it could be seen. Or it could be seen as that. I honestly couldn't see, tell. You see, the difference for me is Candyman the original is very open ended and messy in terms of you know you can interpret what the commentary is supposed to be particularly. But the thing is, the clarity of what it's trying to say is all there. Whereas this, I feel like the the generational trauma aspect is juggled with ideas of gentrification and art as a commodity and Candyman as restorative black justice. And all these different things are juggled around to the point where none of them get enough focus to really say something. Yes, I agree. Yep. Especially the restorative justice. That's like the last five minutes. Yeah, that's well, that's barely addressed until the yeah. Movie. Well, so, and yeah. you know, like every every character killed by Candyman in this movie is white. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, and well, they're they're all gentrifiers too. Yeah. Um, I w- I will say, yeah, with the art as commodity thing, it really gave me like Velvet Buzzsaw vibes. Yeah, there were there were some you know aspects of that. I I was I think of all the themes being messy, the art aspect is probably the messiest. It's it's probably the the yeah. bit that it did not land. Uh, for me as well, which especially is, compared to like Velvet Buzzsaw. Like Velvet Buzzsaw, that theme rings true. Which throughout is the whole wild film. because the protagonist is a painter. Yeah, like the whole central narrative mm-hmm. of this film is he's like a painter who hasn't painted in like two years. Discovers the story of Candyman now living in a a completely gentrified Cabrini Green the location of the first film and he feels a connection to that and it drives him to sort of manically create art with with this message but i agree with you it's the it, that whole thing about art is like the the least well developed part of it's the film it's incredibly messy i mean the whole first piece that we see from him is you know called say my name which is very evocative of, you know, racial injustice issues, you know, Breonna Taylor's Yeah, name, it's been a slogan like for the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just a, a vanity mirror, essentially, put up in, you know, kind of an art exhibit. It asks people to say Candyman's name five to times. To invoke him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, 
the shitty curator later in the night says it. Um, well, his girlfriend, yeah. or his intern, I guess it was. Funny, funny it. bit with her, like being a Joy Division fan, and that being all of her personality. I, did, I that was a pretty funny bit. That, that was, was kind of that, that was, was good. one of my favorite bits of the movie. Is yeah. cause, like she's wearing a Joy Division shirt. <laughs> yeah, already. And, like as they're wrapping up, and, like and shutting down the gallery for the night, he's like uh, the the curator is like complaining about the protagonist and like his girlfriend, who's also a curator and who like put on the show and her response to everything he says is just the ti- is just the title of a joy division song <laughs> and, and like atrocity exhibition and stuff like that and at one point he's like we get it you like joy division <laughs> i thought that was such a funny little yeah, yeah, a little bit yeah that was really yeah, acknowledging funny. it was solid yeah but you know they get killed and i you know actually this set piece is actually pretty good. It's probably yeah. the most effective set piece in the yeah, movie. Yeah, where he's reflected in, in the opinion. art. Uh, and we can talk about this a little bit more, but the point I was trying to make is, you know, on the newscast afterwards, they say the artist's name mm-hmm. as well as the piece, and I feel like part of that was, like, wouldn't more people start saying Candyman in the mirror? You know, you get that one scene later... But oh, you're uh, so right. But like the idea of folklore and urban legends is such a ripe avenue that's you know talked about so much in the original Candyman, where it's like it's completely brushed aside in this one. Basically, well, I I'll push back on that a little bit in in that I think that that's part of the de- that's that is part of the film by design because in in essence the Candyman urban legend has been gentrified out of the neighborhood. Like, as Cabrini Green has been torn down and the, you know, the the poor people who are living there have been forced to relocate elsewhere so these, like, young, bougie white people can move in, the legend has kind of disappeared to the point where the protagonist has never heard it before. The people who live here have not heard the urban legend. So it's been kind of for- forgotten. That's kind of that's kind of like the theme of the whole film is the Candyman legend being brought back to life as a means of, as we find out at the end, as you said, a means of black restorative justice. Because Candyman as a concept exists as kind of like a sin eater for this community where anytime something bad happens, in order to cope with the trauma of living in this super poverty-ridden, violent area, if something bad happens, oh, Candyman did it. Candyman eats the sins of the community. Oh, I love that. And that's the way that Candyman exists. So as the community has been gentrified and all those people living there have been driven out and new people are coming in. Candyman is no longer quote unquote needed, I guess. I think it's kind of underdeveloped, uh, especially in how we've mentioned a couple times now that Candyman as a symbol of restorative justice does not really become a thing until the end of the movie. Like, I think that that needed to, I think that needed to be brought out a little bit more. And again, I think you're right, Ben, it's because it's trying to juggle too many things that it's trying to say. I think it should have picked like one of these things and really like drilled down on it. And the main character can be an artist, but the idea of art as gentrifier doesn't, 
And what's crazy to me is like the the original film has so much good urban art in it, mm-hmm. and like it's a talk. I, 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 it's been a while. Like I I haven't listened to it since we recorded it. But Ben, would you agree? Like yeah. on the podcast, we get into like how like urban art is a big theme, but Absolutely. it's never said. It's all it's always shown. It's yeah. always shown, not told. And this movie has a lot of telling. Yes. And I think if anything, like it it almost becomes muddier because so many of these things are brought up in dialogue. Um, for instance, there are times where like the the writer in the first film is talking about gentrification. Um, uh, and it's often brought up like in respect to her articles or for personal like relation. But in this movie, like there, there are moments like where the, the art critic, for instance, like just brings up those themes and talks about those themes wholly and more directly. Like the exposition in some cases in this film is more direct, but it still feels muddier, which is funny to me. Like, like she talks directly about gentrification and about um like artists moving in and the rest and it's a little too it's too on the nose yeah and and it's it's right on the nose whereas like in the original like it's servicing her article you know like it is it has like a little bit more motive than just like the audience needs to hear this now virginia madsen's a grad student she's working on a thesis like that Mm. so learning about the the folklore of Cabrini Green that is sort of as most poverty areas are in cities cut off from the rest of the city it's like a different it's like a different city yeah. and while like it was heavy handed it was still intellectual and academic so it didn't bother me that much but I do think it is not because of that it is not as good as the original but it didn't bother me like I didn't feel like it was like ham fisted or anything else but I do feel like it was a lot more direct well the thing with the gentrification stuff is it's really underdeveloped because like in the original Cabrini Green is such a character yes in the film and in this movie Cabrini Green is very rarely actually shown the building itself. Yeah. What, was the building torn down? Yes. Like, okay, because we don't... Well, because, but... I mean, that that is true. Like, Cabrini Green is a, is a neighborhood in Chicago that was like that in the 90s and that has, in recent years, been gentrified. That's why I think conceptually... Like to make that the focus of this movie is a good idea. It's a, it's and damn and they clever. They don't really do that enough, though. Like they have a little bit in the high rises in his apartment or whatever, but they don't like make Cabrini Green ever feel like a character of gentrification, really. Yeah, I, you could maybe argue that like all of the character has been gentrified out of it. There's something to be said then for play that. Up the blandness of it. Yeah, you know? that, but that's the thing. In doing that, you you do sacrifice a degree of setting um, and character and character. Like ben saying, yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough because like I. I <laughs> it it makes me think about like the the gentrification uh like arc in uh, you know the the season of South Park where they turn Kenny's house into Soto Sopa you know and like how these neighborhoods are gentrified where like they bring in these little fucking like craft breweries and mm-hmm. eateries and shit that are like luxurious and expensive but also completely devoid of character but how how do you show that in an effective way? That's kind of a rhetorical question because, like, I don't really know the answer. Well, the thing is, they do show some actual impoverished communities in this. And I think you show it by showing the juxtaposition. Yeah. Like, the only character living in that area is the the one guy who introduces... Uh, the guy who, who runs the laundromat. Yeah, yeah. The, 
Yeah, that's the only other character we get. Whereas, like, the original was so full of life and character in a broader sense in that, like, you saw the environment. Yeah. I feel feel like this movie needed, like, minimum two more scenes. I needed another scene of our main character doing that full show he was talking about. I really needed that. You know, he was, like, leading up to it. He was like, yeah, I'm going to do, like, a whole show of it. And what ends up sort of being, like, I get I get what they were doing, where they were saying, like, the whole show is him becoming Candyman, right? Like, that's that's what it really is. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make it, like, a whole series. And he just ends up becoming the art, which is cool. Like, it's, it's a fucking awesome idea. Like, but, as an artist, I love use, that idea. But, but use the show as the setting for that. Yes. No, you're absolutely like, like, where, right. Where, yeah. Like, why aren't the paintings adorning the cathedral? Yeah. At the end, right? Really cool that we returned to the original cathedral, by the way. Loved that. But it did feel a little member ish Like, it didn't have the same weight as it did in the original. It felt felt tacked on at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. I like the sort of fly-esque transformation that he has into Candyman. But the thing is, the way they kind of do it is something that I've seen a million times, and it's someone's hand decaying. Yeah, District 9. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it it goes on. It's not... Terribly original. The effect and it was, was just done a pretty, bummer. The effect was done pretty well. Uh, his hand did look pretty nasty. I, yeah, I wasn't like bummed out by that because like I did, I did think it like it fit the theme. Like it's been done before, but it again like that is sort of the idea it, with it, urban it, myths. It was so broad, and that's the other problem I have with this movie as a whole. It felt so broad in terms of what it was doing. Whereas like the original, for example, she's getting set up by Candyman in a lot of mm-hmm. senses to seem like she's doing these murders mm-hmm. and the cops are actively involved in, you know, dealing with that. Well she gets and, arrested at yeah, one point and, and Candyman and committed and and Candyman murders the psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. and in one this, of the best scenes of the movie. In yeah. this film, the cops you know, see that someone was killed right in front of uh, his exhibit, you know, invoking Candyman. Nothing happens from it, you know. They, well, it they does. Have all these... at, it does at the end. At the very end. Well, that's yeah. the thing. They get it at the very end, but, like, it, it makes it seem more disjointed and disconnected, whereas, like... I feel like that stuff is also ripe, and I think it's because they were trying to go with a broadness to the story to the point where you kind of have to take logical leaps, which sometimes I can buy into, but for this one, I, I just it didn't work for me, man. I don't know. I feel that. I feel that. I was saying I needed like about two more scenes. You know, the first being, I think, like more art. You know, adding it to that final scene, giving that scene some more weight. Something that maybe led into that final scene. Mm-hmm. Additionally, um, I would also really like to have seen, honestly, more after. I felt like the moment where, like, he turns covered in bees and he says, like, tell everyone, which fucking ruled, by the way. Love that. Love that. Um, didn't mind it was CG. It looked really good. I thought in that moment we were at the kill the psychiatrist part of the film. Mm. When it cut to credits, I was really surprised. I was ready for the film to carry on and see her story be finished because I love it when like we sh- when uh, a film shifts protagonists. I-, I talked about it in like Aliens, how the the film you sort of find your protagonist by the end in Sigourney Weaver. You know, at the beginning of the film, like the the scope isn't on her, um, but by the end it is. And uh, in this, like our our protagonist, like as he becomes Candyman, the focus shifts uh, to the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't until the last scene. Like there isn't enough time for us to like really fall uh, like in um, into her perspective. I thought it was a great moment for us to fall into her perspective there. Like I think that 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 movement was fine, but we need I, I needed more after that personally. I, I would have really liked to have seen her fate after that because there was a lot of things up in the air there. Yeah. Like I like it, of, I think it, it, it cut for shock value, but that's not that's not the shock that I wanted or needed. I kind of, it didn't it left me it didn't leave me fulfilled narratively. Like what happens to her after that? Right, because like our protagonist in, in the first sequel, obviously. Please no, like in the, in the first Candyman. That is the vibe I got. Though I know, and I, I don't like that. But like in the in the that's first everything these days, though. That's I know, and everything. it's and it sucks. It doesn't have to be. And uh, but in the first one, right? Like our protagonist, we get to know her so well. And this character, because like she's relegated to like the role of the girlfriend, like she gets she does get scenes, but we're never really put like into her perspective because we spend the whole time behind the, the like looking through the lens of our protagonist, our main character. It was really abrupt and jarring and not in a good way uh, to, to suddenly be like thrust into her lap. Um, but I think it would have been again if like we found out like how is she getting out of there? Like there, there are dead cops everywhere. Right. I don't remember if we hear any of them call for backup before they die. There's a bunch of dead cops. Usually when they're going in to make a bust like that, like more coming. If they don't hear back within a certain amount of time, a fuckload more coming. Is she going to run? Because if so, you have an amazing moment of her running just like after the psychiatrist sequence, because that is one of the most terrifying moments in the original. Right. Like the psychiatrist dies. She has to like leap out the fucking window. Like remember, like he flies out the window. It's like a super cool, like like a mm-hmm. practical shot. And she she's on the run and she's trying to escape and she's trying to get out of there. You could have this amazing bit where she has to tell everyone she's on the run just like in the, the original, and she could even use the art to do that. Like, before she's caught, and there could be some sort of event. Like, there could be just just literally anything more with her, so I have time to, like, relate with her. Um, yeah, and I think that's so right for commentary, mm-hmm. you know, and clarity of message. You know, you could do so much with classism and talking about, like, the actual community she's, you know, running through, Versus her gentrified community, you can talk about the classism and racism in the art community that she's so invested in. You can talk about all these different things, and they just they don't. No, well, they, 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 don't, they don't finish any of. The, like, here's the thing: it wouldn't feel messy if if these strings weren't left untied. Like yeah. any of these themes, the problem isn't how many themes there were; it's just that n- very few of them were tied together. Because like, there were too many. That's yeah. the thing. They, the problem is the number of mm-hmm. it. But like this it's movie could have been longer. Honestly, like this, the runtime wasn't that long, was it? Feels like it's an hour it, and a half. To yeah, me, it could have been. This movie been reeks of studio interference. I wouldn't be surprised if they chopped this movie up, especially given the extra year they had. Well, and also like think think about Probably. what happened in the year between uh like when this this film was supposed to be released and did get released like we had the whole fucking uh like nationwide protests following George Floyd's murder and like the themes of this movie like were were right there happening in real time for us all to see and i think i wouldn't be surprised if you're right if the studio cut the shit out of this before releasing it because maybe they thought it would be it would be uh 
too traumatic or, or too close to home or whatever, and they didn't have the balls. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's speculation. It um, just feels disjointed at times. Like, I think of the scene with all the white girls saying Candyman in front of the mirror and how that scene is kind of just in there. And It was a fine horror set piece, but what was the point of it? Yeah. Mm. Oh, also, not all white people were killed by Candyman. The, the sister. Yeah. Which also felt very shoehorned in without a ton of clarity of purpose. Well, I mean, actually, that that had plenty of purpose. Like, he's he's the, the guy who helps with the whole, like, transition to begin with, right? Because he's, like, the one witness of the original events or whatever. And so he he's the one who brings brings about Candyman, like, as an adult. Like, he grows up. He's the he's our lens. He's our lens for seeing, for seeing, like, what Cabrini Green originally was. Um, right. Well, and that's when his sister was killed back when it was that original community in the 70s. Yeah, right. So what, the, Ben's point about what was like, the all, the, all the people, all the, the people murdered in this movie being white is like, yeah, in the present they are mm, because yeah. that that community doesn't exist anymore. But the purpose, what, was, the what purpose is, was to tie us in with the original. What it was to like was to give us a character who could like we're tied in with the guy given candy and getting beat up and shot. In the 70s, you know? We got that already. Why are we tying it in with his sister getting killed? What was the point of that? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, like, same character, just, like, why are we seeing it twice? I agree. I I think you're right. Like, uh... I think it's supposed to show that 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 was the birth of of one of, of like the next cycle of Candyman. I think that's what it's supposed to be. I'm, like... I hate that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan I'm, I'm of that. Playing, I'm playing devil's advocate. I know here. you are. It just feels but disjointed. It yeah, does. I, I it does. I don't. I don't disagree didn't with you. Across. I didn't, I didn't really thought about that. But I, I appreciate you bringing it up that way, Ben. Completely disjointed. That I couldn't wrap my head around was the main woman. Her dad kills himself. Yeah. What and, does that have to do with him? And we see that happen, and then. Nothing. I was thinking about that, too. Yeah, that I feels don't... like something that was cut, because yeah. there's another part where she gets invited to, like, the museum to talk with the curator there about a job, and the and the curator is talking about, like, oh, with, like, your... your uh, being in touch with up and coming artists, uh, combined with your fa- the legacy of your father, like you'd be a, a good fit for this something. And it's like, what was happening there? That feels yeah, like there's that felt like there's something string. There's something it missing. Felt like, completely disjointed. And what's weird is the dad was wearing, wearing like a Candyman like, jacket, the yellow coat, yeah. like the same one that that the new Candyman is wearing. Yeah, that. That, there's there's something fucking missing. Like, and there. here's the thing, right? Like her having to spread his his legacy, right? Like that that like sword being put in her hand is the moment where she has to face that, right? Mm-hmm. And again, one more, give me one more fucking scene because if she has to like do it via art, she has to face that trauma from her past. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that that's supreme. And and again. Another string tied in one scene, right? You could have at the end of this film, but nothing. You're so right. Like, what or, happened there? Or, or take, or she goes back home and she puts on a, a show with her now 
dead boyfriend's art that he's made, all of these really cool paintings that he's done. He has all of this. Have her put on a show with that art because then the legend is tied to it because you've got this artist who becomes obsessed with Candyman who then goes crazy and murders a bunch of people and then gets shot by the police. And here's his art, how macabre, right? Mm -hmm. And the legend is, is... intricately woven into that there are opportunities bow tied you know, right the, the centerpiece like, of the exhibit is the mirror and she kind of pushes people to invoke him you yeah. know like that's how she tells everyone yeah yeah because there's, there's a great opportunity yeah like like her her boyfriend is an artist who has died. Her father was an artist, like, who who killed himself and died, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so her being the one to, like, show her boyfriend's show, like, like mm-hmm. at a, like, uh, her deceased boyfriend's show at a big exhibit, posthumously. Ah! I'm getting goosebumps, right? Like, there, there's so much you could do with and that's, that. And that's, a gr- and that's a great way to tie off the theme of the commodification yeah. of art, too. Also, Because yeah. there's a degree, there's a degree of callousness to profiting off of the art of somebody who's been murdered. Let's script doctor the shit. You know how you know how you end it? She burns the fucking gallery down. Bonfire. Back to the original, right? With all the people. With all the people in it. Yeah, she fucking locks the doors and burns them all them all up. After getting them to invoke Candyman, she tries to burn Candyman. Right, right, right. So we get like her with her boyfriend appearing with Candyman, like in the fucking original. Done. Well, see, we did it. That's the thing. Is like the the theme of this fucking movie. God damn it. The theme of this fucking movie <laughs> is, as they even say at one point, like this this neighborhood has gotten stuck in a loop where the same thing happens over and over again, and it can't get out of that. And that's why we have all of these different interpretations of Candyman. We see all of these different men who embody the Candyman legend, of which our protagonist is just the latest, right? Yep. So in if that's the theme of the film, reimagining sequences of events from the original film isn't like cheap copying no it's, it's homage it's uh, it's homage and it's it's thematic it's the motif and well, also and too think, like like even in the music right like philip glass is the score was really great yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, i love the score high points yeah, yeah I, I was one of the things i was actually most worried about in this film and probably the thing i was most pleased about uh going score coming out and soundtrack um pretty yeah well. yeah i think it did a great job of paying homage to philip glass without being philip glass like that was very good. Yeah. No, but uh, again, what what is it about Philip Glass's music that's so that's so fascinating? Right. It's the repetition. Yeah. Like he, he's so good at like carrying on these repeated themes that are often like feels kind of synthetic, um, uh, and it, it creates these super cool like musical patterns. And I, I love that in his work from Keanu Scotsy to to, to um, Candyman. And and here they do a good job with that in the music. There's some neat returning motifs as well. But it plays into the idea of bees and beehives as well. Too, right there are many bees that make up a hive the candy man is the hive they live in his chest yeah right mm-hmm. like the uh, many stories make up this figure he needs he needs this narrative power to exist because he's a tulpa like <laughs> he's a thought form um and uh which is why he's probably my favorite killer like still like uh it, it's such a neat Neat concept, um, and so like he, he feeds on that. a heavy summer for us. It has, and really I love it. Us. I love it so much. Um, but uh, he 
he takes on like all of these um these stories and so like yeah like repetition is is prime it's ideal like this is where you do that this is where you have that kind of uh you carry on those themes again, and, and exactly, you, can, you can get away with it because narratively it works so well. Exactly like Ben said, the missed opportunity of not having our protagonist be a suspect for the killings way sooner in the movie be a suspect. is... That's I feel like such a mistake. It's because so baffling to that, me because that's what happens to Virginia Madsen in in the first movie. And hell, this movie takes place in fucking 2019. And as like as a black man, of course he would be. Uh, of course he would be like the the fucking prime suspect of the fucking white supremacist Chicago Police Department. Absolutely, like he. Yeah. It just. And to not have that be like the the drama of the film of him like be the trying, drama, god damn it, uh, trying to simultaneously create art while also not take the fall for these murders that have been revolving around his art while also becoming the Candyman. That should have been like the main narrative push of the movie. I mean, honestly, like. He, this motherfucker goes to the hospital and no one's coming to stop him because they suspect him for, at that point, several murders. Suspension of disbelief is one thing, but like, come on, we we have seen how the police treat black people well, and also it's like terrible. especially in a city if, like chicago yeah. Here, let's let's just reimagine real quick like uh well i i don't i don't like it when people play this game to to be fair but like even like ethnicity aside you have an artist who's doing like a specific theme like for their art and people are being killed to that theme right like like you have an artist doing Candyman art and people are dying in front of his Candyman art how the fuck is he not a suspect? Right. Like, like again, ethnicity aside, yeah. and then like, and then and then compounded with that, like, exactly. yeah, it, it makes no goddamn and for, sense. And for that to not be, and for that to only come around in the last ten minutes of the movie, for that to be like the finale of the film, like that, also again, like the cops being after him, it's more tension, which good horror movie, and and two, it's um again, it plays into the themes of the original. Well, and that's the thing, like, by only introducing the cops at the very end, the police become caricatures, and that's not to say cops should be, you know, well-rounded characters, but, like... They should be established. They should be established, and you can't really develop their malice and kind of evil... By yeah. just introducing it the, at the very well, yeah, end. We, yeah, we have the detective who comes around at the end after they've, like, shot uh, the protagonist and have his girlfriend in the back seat. And, you know, basically does the, the real sinister, like, oh, yeah, you're going to say that uh, that this is what happened or we're going to say that this is what happened. I mean, and it's like that. And then he gets and then he gets killed by Candyman. And it's like it's satisfying in the regard that, like, yeah, the fuck nasty fucking cops you know get get killed by by this symbol of restorative black justice but it would have been more satisfying if throughout the movie we had seen that detective investigating our protagonist or, or just any Shit, cops. man like if we want to establish the police as incompetent have them arrest the wrong person or even kill 
the wrong person thinking it was them. And we do like in fairness and some in small fairness, we get that in the flashbacks. We do see the police in the car and murder in the present in the present. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's the new origin story for this candy man is, you know, he was a, a, a guy who went around giving candy to kids. A, a kid found a razor blade in their candy. The cops found, hunted him down, beat him to death. And then a couple weeks later, more razor blades were found in the candy. He was innocent all along. He becomes this incarnation of Candyman. Like, do you think they use that origin story because a lot of people haven't seen the original and they were like, we have to make it clear why he's called Candyman? No, I I actually really liked that. Again, like the problem isn't the themes, it's it's that they weren't tied. I didn't dislike it either. I just thought, you know, it is very on the nose in terms of. Well, I think it needs to be. It's been it's been decades. It's been decades. Yeah, you need you need to do that. And the fact that, again, here it services the idea of him being a thought form, him having many origins is cool it works so yeah, for no, me like I, it's it's, it's i it, didn't mind that i just thought it was kind of funny that it was so direct in like the name the candy, candy man, man gives yeah, candy yeah because yeah. yeah. it's true like like in the original film we i think we've talked about it like uh there there really isn't any candy no like it's 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 honey you know yeah. like uh it's sweet it's sweets sweets for the, the sweet. sweet yeah uh, uh no matter yeah, what he's this a candy man because they covered him in mm-hmm. honey so the bees would sting yeah. him and and also like 1800s candies would just be honey yeah. well no and shit you anyway. see you see one time with candy with a razor blade in it in the original and it's with it's the fake out, right? It's when yeah. she goes in the the bathroom and then gets beat up and then they arrest Candyman, quote unquote. But mm-hmm. it's not really. Yeah. I feel like it's just uh, so on the nose here. Well, but it, it was fine. Like, I, I don't mind that too much. Like, ultimately, I understand. A lot of people haven't seen the original, even though I wish that wasn't the case. It is. Um, so you gotta set it up somehow, but it's just another example of how they make this movie feel more broad. Well, see, here's, here's the thing, and this, this, this will move into talking about the twist, which I have a lot of problems with. I'm glad you're moving in that direction. Uh, in, in yeah. principle, but yeah, you know, like in, in a lot of ways, in terms of like the horror classics, Candyman, the original Candyman is kind of, is kind of an obscure one. Um, it, compared to stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Hellraiser and, and the whatnot. But my favorite thing about this film conceptually is was the idea that it's like a candy man for a new generation. And I think one of the movie's biggest failings for me is tying it way too hard to the original. Yes. In too many ways, the protagonist even goes to the library at one point, the the school library, and finds like the tape recordings from Virginia Madsen uh, in in the first one to like learn about Candyman. And it's like, 
I, I even thought that was too much. Like, the ghost story they tell at the beginning that, like, plants the seed of Candyman is not Candyman himself, but the urban legend about Virginia Madsen. Yeah. About her killing these people and stealing the baby. And it's still with shadow and, puppets. Yeah, and, like, the shadow bits. Like, the, the shadow, shadow puppets, puppets are, cool. are yeah, cool, but I feel like they're overused to the point where they tell more than they show. You know, they are used to explain things that should be kind of feel like urban legends more. Yeah, kind of stuff that doesn't really need to be seen, but more to be imagined. I, I can I can kind of get down with that. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I'm fine with, I, I like the idea of them telling her story rather than Candyman's story at the beginning. And that's what plants the seed. And that's what gets the protagonist like researching. And he's like, oh, there's this there's this this older urban legend about Candyman that that's what she was investigating, but I think like him finding like her tapes is too expositiony, and then like the big twist of the movie that didn't fi- that when we talked about twists recently and the difference between a twist that you don't see coming because there's not actually breadcrumbs there for you to lead you there mm-hmm. this felt like one of those to me where like i saw it coming in the scene that we learned about it i was like oh fuck come on man it, it, the twist is that our protagonist is the baby from the first one that Candyman stole and to to take into the bonfire that Virginia Madsen then saved at the end. He's that baby 30 years later. So then it becomes a whole thing of he was marked by Candyman. He was always Candyman's chosen to become the new Candyman. And that's so much less interesting than him just stumbling across the the urban legend and being stung by the bee and you know being being poisoned by the the urban legend and developing that like oh well, yeah and like, like like being poisoned by his research right like yeah. in the first one like it's it's the the investigation she slowly falls into it and it can be interpreted as either falling into madness or falling into the myth and that's fucking great but here no I agree I think I've been I've been thinking on this one because I, I've been I've been torn because conceptually I do kind of love the idea. I'm a big fan of legacy. I'm a big fan of that concept. But I think the problem is that they said it. I think they should have just implied it and left it. Like, implied it at, implied it at most. Because the thing is, is like the whole point of Candyman is legacy. There's so much yes. legacy shit. We don't need such a direct on the nose thing because the legacy is already there. The legacy is the story. The legacy is the place. What's so bizarre to me, right, is I feel like they almost do it because they bring back the original mom mm-hmm. from the, the the original movie. Was it the same actress? Yes, it was. Oh, that's and she cool. is honestly that's my favorite performance in the movie. I would agree. She's um, in one scene. Yeah, just yeah. incredible. Show stealing. Um, but then they go to the cathedral and the laundromat owner monologues and explains Hated that. every single bit of it. Yep. Like, I, if you cut that scene out and just had the mom and then had him by himself in the cathedral and she comes in and sees that, 
Like that works just as so well. Oh, you're I, so right. I hated that was I, the thing of it, wasn't it? It I was. It was. It was the, the guy giving the further exposition. It wasn't the because the mom showing up was once really again what? they're the telling why, when they should be showing. Why did the laundromat owner have to be like? in on it the whole time. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. that was, secret, that secret, was, because move, because secret bad guy. Because, because, because it's a, the, it's a because trope. Because the only poor guy in the movie has to be in on the origins of Cabrini. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, it's revealed that because he witnessed the guy getting beat to death, and then his sister invokes Candyman later and dies, and he sees, like, the spectral Candyman in the bathroom or whatever, that since then, he has become, like, a secret worshiper of Candyman. Yeah, I kind of like, hate that. waiting to, yeah, yeah big, big jerk-off motion. Like, waiting for the baby to come back to Cabrini Green so he can infect him with You know what it is? It's some Silent so Hill shit. Turn- Dude, it's it's, it's so it's a, and not Good Island Hill. It's so some Silent Hill shit. It's so convoluted. There's so much simpler and more elegant Damn. ways to get our protagonist to that cathedral. Mm-hmm. Like, what what was the fucking point of that? It's Silent Hill shit. It, it's well, yeah. It, it's it's Silent Hill shit, and it's it's a bummer. It, and and not so Silent Hill too. It's it's because, it's like, yeah. the scene right before he kidnaps her and brings her to the cathedral. We get like a very self aware moment where. She looks down a staircase and is like, oh, hell no, I'm not going down there. Yeah, I think, like, I think she literally just says, nope, and turns her and, like, closes that. the door. Yeah that, was, yeah, that was so great. That was so fucking great. Yeah, and then it, really, really ramping me up to, like, want, want to follow her character as the protagonist. Like, yeah, great stuff. she just gets kidnapped and we're back. It's square one. Yeah, where's her agency? Where the fuck is her agency, right? Like, we get one scene with that. But, like, yeah, right after that, like, she's she's knocked out. She wakes up. And, uh, yeah, there's... All, all he... The only purpose that that character serves in that scene is to cut off the protagonist's hand and jam the, the hook into the stump. And there's no reason that in a fit of mania, the protagonist could not have done that to his damn self. You're right. And like, you're there's right. no, there's, there, having also, it be another character doing it to him, what is, what's the point of it that? It honestly would have worked way better for me if he had done it to himself. You know, yeah. it plays into his obsession with the mythos. Yeah, yeah. and it's just the more. two of them truly, he's in the scene. He's truly been infected. Or not even cutting the hand off, the hand just fucking falling off. Yeah. Like, it's been, it's, it's already been horribly infected at this point. We see the festering wound just have his just have it fucking become gangrenous and fall off and then he finds like an old meat hook and jams it into his stump or something like that would have been so much fucking cooler yeah Yeah. i i will say see to to give some to give some praise to the film to the 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 cost the the production design in particular uh when we get to that point and our protagonist has like w- the whole left, the whole yeah. Like, we talked about this in the car. Side of his body. He's got Gus face. <laughs> Gus face. Jesus. <laughs> not not really. It's it's more he's uh, he's honeycombed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's honeycombed. Like his the the whole side of his body where the the where, uh, on whatever side his rotten hand is is full of like hexagonal honeycombs. Yeah. Like he's becoming trypophobia. The, he's mm-hmm. becoming high for the bees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trip, trypophobes beware. Uh, yeah. He he's got lots of holes. Look, it looks very cool. It yeah, does look cool, yeah. and also it, it fits the theme cool. too. Like it's it's a it's a beehive where all of the maggots. 
what are the what are baby bees? What are they called? Uh, help me out here. Um, larva. Larva. Thank you. Um, cut that out. That makes me look like a fucking idiot. Uh, probably, no. You probably won't. <laughs> um, anyway, it's fine. Now that uh, you said something about it, I'm absolutely not cutting fuck, it out. Yeah. Um, any anywho, uh, he's he's covered in the holes, but it's 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 like larva, right? Which is what he is in a way, and it's it's before like the the bees have have fully matured and like the 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 hive is awoken, and I, I think that's really neat. Like there, that's a missed that's a cool oppor- idea, and it's cool that they, they don't they don't they don't like. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink on that. You guys like it is, made it is. Me, made me think of something here, though, especially with the gangrenous hand falling off. Let me pitch you guys an alternate ending here. Okay, right. Please. So she, on her own volition, maybe he summons her to meet her at the cathedral, and he goes in a little bit about his obsession. The cops come. The cops shoot him as. She's in the car. She invokes Candyman. We see him wake up and oh, put interesting. the hook in himself once he wakes up. Hmm. And then, you know, we get the ending of that's the movie. An, that's an interesting idea. Uh-huh. It kind of happens like that, sort of. I accept, like, it's just has, completely except, removing except the he laundromat has the, guy. He has the hook before the cops shoot him. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. He definitely should have done, but, should but have gotten rid of the, the thing is guy. with him installing the hook after he's been killed. You play into the mythos of an unjustly killed man, yeah, coming back for his vengeance, of course, and and we, which is very much much in the mythos. We do and, get some of like that is still kind of the vibe is you know when when she's in the backseat of the car and invokes him and he does come and yeah and kill all the cops. It's it's kind of the same. Like it's it's definitely treated as like he's taking vengeance not only for himself but for the community. But at the same time, some of that is undercut by the fact that a member of the community. Did this to him instead of just it happening to him. Yeah. Instead of him becoming it naturally, the fact that like the one like true remaining member of like the original Cabrini Green community that we see in this movie being the one who like does it to him, it, uh, it he should have been a witness. He should have been a witness. Like yeah, like like he was a witness in the past. Yes. He could be a witness in the present. That's fine. His character as a witness is great. Conceptually, I'm into that, but as a willing participant, I don't like that. I don't. I don't think it it makes sense. Wouldn't it be great if we saw him at the end and he sees Candyman after he's killed all these cops and he just turns the other way? You know. Yeah. Like that's essentially righting the wrong that he had done earlier in alerting the cops and. Oh shit! This man that's killed. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that thematically. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, damn. Okay, well, I think I think we've 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 done a good deal of script doctoring at this point, but uh, yeah, we've rewritten this entire movie. No, really, just the last uh, scene. You know, like just the last couple scenes. Um, well, that's because this movie is a fucking mess. Well, I, again, like I I love it's true. I love all the strings. I love all the strings in this movie. I just I just wish they'd tied m- many more of them. Like like everything that they set up, I love on paper. Um, again, for me. Even the picking at the hand thing, like I know it's it's a cliche, but like it's it's one I think that fits for yeah, me. Sure. Like it's one that like, and I thought it was well enough. Done. Well, I mean, but, I, I think I think the idea of like him being stung by the bee when he first goes out to take pictures of the neighborhood mm-hmm. 
as a metaphor, I do think that that's that that's interesting and well done. I think it fits. It's not just done for ooh nasty hand. He's got a pick at it. Yeah. But like he is, he's stung by the urban legend. He's infected. Mm-hmm. It, it is is injecting its its venom into him that corrupts him throughout the film as like a literal parallel to the the figurative aspect of it. I think it works really mm-hmm. well. But yeah, man, just. Just have it end with with like like continuing on after that scene. She she takes all of his art, puts it together in that gallery. The owners are dead, right? Like, and she she opens it up. Like it's it's ripe for it. Yeah. And she opens up a big expose, you know, like expose. Cops show up, try and take her too, or whatever. And then and she sets the fucking place on fire. The end and is- and like and you get your big bonfire and like everyone gets to die. It's it's very um like inglorious bastards, you know. Like it's it's very there's a lot of catharsis in that. Um, it's a much more grand ending. It's cool because the myth is still allowed to live. It's grand, but it still gets to act as a myth, right? Like all the witnesses are fucking burned alive, so like it can still be like, a, oh, Candyman killed everyone or whatever, or it was the artist, um, because the artist was already killed, so it must be actually Candyman or some shit. Like there's there's plenty you can do with the myth there, um, still. And we have our our uh, laundromat guy be a witness instead. It ties so many of those open ended strings. I don't know. Maybe we're missing something. Maybe, maybe like it ties just fine. But from where I'm standing, I, I, I was, I was left wanting a little bit more, and I was surprised yeah. when it cut to credits. But it's the same problem that actually here. You do your bit first because I have another long one. I was just gonna say, like, I don't know if I would necessarily advocate for this film being longer, but I do think that uh, although it, it didn't feel over long, like I wasn't bored during no, this movie. No. Um, but I, I do think that. The finale of this movie should have happened about three quarters of the way through the film, and there should have been uh, something tying up all of these threads at the end, just like you're you're saying. I I absolutely agree with that, and I think that there's enough like fat already there to be trimmed that you could do that like there's stuff you can eliminate like the the suggested side plot about her father whatever that is get rid of that the girls who get killed in the in the bathroom of the high school those are those are bodies those aren't characters they're bodies that yep. that scene serves no purpose to the, the backstory with the sister that can go like you brought up and yeah that can yeah, yeah. that can be get rid, of, get rid of it get just, rid of it. just yeah. focus the themes yeah like shit man i i think the core of my problems with this movie are just the the script and the direction i think you know the acting is really good the cinematography is really good the score is really good it's just a fucking mess though yeah and yeah. i think that ultimately comes down to the script not having that clarity you know? Yeah, I think it's the script more than the direction. I I don't personally have a problem with the directing. Like you said, like Same. it's acted well. I think all the characters are are well directed. I think the the problem lies in the messiness of the writing. And again, it's just like the ideas are good. Just like fucking bring it home. Just bring it home. Like I love all of it conceptually, mm-hmm. and like the execution is fine. Just just deal the final fucking just get, blow. Just get across the like. Finish I need line. I need you to like, like yeah. yeah like 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 if you're gonna like cut the head off of this beast like don't stop halfway through you know like like fucking finish the job finish the job finish the job it's the same problem that 
Clockwork Orange had uh, the novel, not the film. Um, okay. The when Anthony Burgess like first went to publish Clockwork Orange, um, or he published it in the UK, and then when he went to sell it to American publishers, um, he was told that they would take it if they cut out the last chapter because they thought it was more it was more edgy and it was more um, exciting more American if uh, it ended with uh, our protagonist leaping out of the window. Um, Because if those not familiar, like Clockwork Orange, the original has 21 chapters because that's when you come of age. And the 21st chapter is him reflecting after he's fallen out of the window. And it's it's where like our protagonist actually like learns something. There's like we gain something from the narrative. It doesn't just end suddenly. Right. Whereas, like, in the American, like, the original American publication, like, the book just ends with him leaping out of the window. And we, we aren't allowed that, that moment of reflection. Um, and the moment of reflection is really important because that's where our protagonist, like, is allowed to come to terms with violence naturally. And to understand, like, oh, yeah, maybe I was a shit being super violent and rapey. Like, maybe I should have done that. Whereas in, in, like, the American publication version, like, he just gets comeuppance. And there's no lesson learned. And it's artificial because he just dies. But isn't that the American way? It's not about rehabilitation. It's about punishment always. Well, it is because it's more exciting, I guess. And um, I mean, it, not even in terms of story. No, I know. Like, like, Wiggles it, is, that's the American way. Yeah, and Rehabilitation it's, doesn't exist. It's punishment. Yeah, Everything it, is punitive. Mm-hmm. And it's gross. And, uh, and, and again, too, I guess that's more exciting and it, it, it's, it's, it's wretched. But, uh, you know, he... Anthony Burgess like didn't really have a choice because he needed the money, so like he he went with those publishers anyway. Um, and for a long time, like the in 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 the states, like you couldn't get a copy of Clockwork Orange with the twenty first ending uh, or the twenty first chapter in it. And uh, I feel like this movie is missing a twenty first chapter. Like I, I feel like this movie needed uh, a moment to allow us to like reflect to to um, even if it's like in like a big you know in a big event. I needed like something. Yeah, a little bit more to bring it home to put a ribbon on it, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's funny too because like I think the in this case like tying that ribbon would have been with like a literal fucking bonfire, like like it's still very American, still very like intense. But I just like something to equate to the original because it just yeah. frankly like like him killing off like all the policemen, fucking rad. Like I loved that scene. It's a cool scene. It's dope. Like him like floating. Awesome imagery. Like yeah. let's let's get and Candyman and Dead by Daylight. I'm here for it. I but love it was cool in the same way as like Killing the Therapist was in in the first film. And there's a lot more movie after that. Finale, well, and that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Like it does have some really cool imagery too. Like he's going around the car and yeah. we see different forms. In yeah, of as he Candyman. passes into each window, we and see a different face. Of course, we'd be yes. remiss to mention that like. Ultimately, we do see Tony Todd return. My man, and yeah, we get that fucking luscious, awesome, amazing voice. Of I, Tony I Todd. did, I did have what I recognized after the fact as like a fucking Marvel fan moment, yes. where like at the very end of the film, like she comes around the corner and sees Candyman like ripping the head off of the detective, and like his head at this point is just a mass of bees, which is really cool, and. And, uh, and he turns to her, and the bees sort of coalesce into his face, and it's a, a di- 
digitally de-aged Tony Todd. Uh, it looks good, though. I'll, it I'll give him that. Dude, it no, here, here, I'm saying, it, it looks the same and he, moment. Yeah, and Dude, says, it and looks a says, lot better. Yeah. It looks a lot better than the digitally de-aged Luke Skywalker and Leia. For like, sure. In, for in sure. the Star Wars movies, which is well, funny to me, because this movie didn't have anywhere near the budget of that. It's so it's so brief, too. Like, it's just it's just a split second, and it's, it's helped by the fact there's still a lot of bees on his face. But, like, finally at the end, it coalesces into Tony Todd, and he says, tell everyone. And I fucking did a little clap. I went, yay! (laughs) And, like, I was walking out of the movie, and I was like, oh, man. Oh, man, that's what they do when a comic book character shows up in a movie. Tease. I did it. Tease. You're allowed to be happy. Yeah, I'm you have I'm you to, have permission. You're allowed to enjoy things. I'm it's to, okay. I'm allowed to clap for my my little yeah. my little fanboy moment when I it's, got when I got my Tony. Here, here's the thing too, like when when you're you know like when people like get excited when when Luke shows up at the end of the Mandalorian too, like you can laugh at it, but it is okay. It's okay. You're, like it's you're, all right. You're making, you're making me matter at myself. Like, like you're doing it's a bad job. no, just no, just just like just it, just accept that it's it's all right. Like this, it was more like the, this well, movie see, was more see, academic, and it, I think it executed it much, much, much better. But here's, here's it, the thing: it is the same thing, and that's okay. Here's and the that's thing: that's because it's okay in any respect. If, Candy, <laughs> like, if Candyman, if Candyman in the entirety of this movie had been digitally de-aged Tony Todd, that would have been awful. Yeah. That would have sucked absolute shit. But for us to just get Tony Todd, nice little cameo at the end, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, there he is. There's my boy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, that was, it was perfect. It was yeah. just the right amount, especially to have it come after the sequence of him walking around the car where, like, we see the many faces of Candyman. Like, then it's like, okay, of course, we're going to see Tony Todd at the end. And I, I liked it, too. Like, during that scene, we, it actually, they actually reprise uh, Tony Todd's monologue from the beginning of, of the first Candyman with the, I'm the writing on the wall, the buzzing in the streets. Uh, they'll say I've, I have shed innocent blood. It's fan service. It's callbacky, but it worked on me. Well, this time. here's, here's the thing too. Like, time. like fan service apropos of nothing. Awful. I hate it. I'm a big Star Trek fan. I hate, I hate the second Star Trek movie. And it's riddled with fan service. Like, when they bring Spock back with Tribbles, I was fucking livid. Like, it's gross, and it's just, oh, you remember Tribbles? Ah, fuck! Like, he says the thing, but it's not him, it's the other guy. I hate that shit. Because I feel like my my fandom, my love of the thing was being exploited for capitalism, for capital gain, and that was it, right? Like, it, it felt hollow. Because it's just that and nothing else, right? Again, apropos of nothing. Whereas, well, again, yeah, here, it's the theme. this served. It's the theme. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah, this served the movie in every way. It's and two, it's, it's where, like, I, and I, you're, you're you're not going to like this, but, like, I do okay. think that, like, when they have, like, like y'all haven't even seen it, but, like, when they have Luke show up at the end of The Mandalorian, like, I do, I do think that that's pretty well done. Like, because it, it is just the one scene. so angry for spoiling Mandalorian. Um, uh... 
It's the Mandalorian. It's a fucking yeah, yeah. It, it's a technically fucking, we're still in spoiler territory for Candyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, look. It's it's just a broad blanket spoilers yeah. for everything, everything that's ever been made. Snape, whatever's whoever you know. Snape, Snape kills Gandalf. It it causes a doom. Whatever. But like the point is uh, that. What the, what the fuck was the point? <laughs> That's a good question. Anyway, um, is it like I, I, I do? This movie, kinda. I, I really do think that like the way the way that they have Luke show up for just a brief moment at the end of the second Mandalorian, and he takes Baby Yoda or whatever the fuck. I thought it was very similar, and I like both of those things. And I I'm I'm sorry, I know, but like also the Mandalorian is like the only good Star War that like has Star Wars in a very long time. Um, so like I did I did actually like get joy from that in a similar way i i don't i think that the cg here was actually a lot better um tony todd like i i you really put the nail on the head they hide it really well with the bees and the the low lighting um which is short which is the right creative call yeah yeah it's 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 just a couple seconds um it's it's fairly similar like like he's wearing a hood most of the time like in the man in in that last sequence in the mandalorian like you only see his face in like two shots um and then he takes baby yoda which kind of like reclaims the the shitty ending of like the trilogy movies (laughs) in a cool way like it it because part of what they did is like just what what have you done to my boy like in respect to Mark Hamill but I did like that and and sorry for people who are fucking tired of hearing hearing about Star Wars which I know is y'all me. but me. Uh, <laughs> yeah you're talking but, to me but what I'll say is again very similar and again when it's not apropos of nothing like when it has significance when it has like semblance it's fine it's okay you can you can call back the past you can do remakes. You can do that. Just just do your job. Just pay homage. And and this scene does it really well. And I'm gonna I gotta give the movie like big props for that. Yeah, like like Tony Todd showing up at the end is fucking awesome and it's the what last, I wanted. The last like the last like five mm-hmm. minutes of this movie and, slaps. And you know, like I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna give the movie a hard time for not like tying all those bows, but man, like it did know to give me what I want wanted in that respect. And and I, I do I appreciate the shit give out of it. Give me what I want! Give me what I want! And I appreciate that. Like it is, it is nice. It is just nice to see Tony Todd again, and and fucking murdering the fuck out of people with yeah. and is and speaking in that beautiful bassy voice that he has, like fucking rad. Um, and again, like this movie hit some had some really cool ideas, and I think that any of them just could have been tied together like more at the end. And it it it's a bummer, but for me, for once, it didn't detract enough for me to like be super angie about it slapper rating on that my dude yeah, yeah so unlike because I'm, I'm capable of uh i'm a malleable creature uh uh and i have many many opinions and unlike the green knight uh in this circumstance ben your points kind of brought me around and i i do i do agree with uh a lot of those points bummer because i i wanted to keep liking this movie more um and, and again too i came out of it like Meh, but like as you brought up more of those points, Ben. Like I, I, I'm, I'm holding a little bit more against it. Um, originally, I think going into this, I was probably going to give it a four. Um, it's a three point five. I'm going to put it like right there, you know, like a little above the middle because like it did do some neat things and it had some great ideas. You, you cannot blame this movie for spitting in the face of the original. You cannot blame this movie for not paying homage. I would even say it pays homage well. It could have paid it better if the script was a little better. But I do appreciate a lot of things about this film. 
And I know we ragged on it a lot, but but there are a lot of very good things in this movie. And, you know, for that, I'm going to give it a strong 3.5. You might even say a B plus. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go next because I agree with that exactly. I also have been... Uh, slightly talked down during the the course of our conversation. You, <laughs> um, a lot of it was was like thoughts that I had had before, but like especially in like expanding them, it's like yeah, this movie does have more problems than I was willing to give it credit for uh, when we walked out of the movie. That being said, in line with you, Cleveland, I think that there are a lot of great things about this movie. I was not bored during this movie. I was constantly entertained, and I think that. The reason, part of the reason that we've done such a fucking uh, job on it, like ripping things up and rewriting in this conversation, is because the foundation is really solid. Yeah. There's a lot of really good sure. stuff there. And I think that there is a great movie hiding inside this decent movie it's it's a bunch it's 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 a bunch of larvae just waiting you know like yeah. the, the beehive is not complete like and the metamorphosis it, it, has not been quite realized and exactly the same as you i went into this thinking that i was going to give it a four but i'm also going to give it a three and a half out of five. Oh yeah I, I think that i think that that feels right because what i was thinking about all day today with this movie is this movie is fine but are any of us going to remember it in two, three years? Probably. I remember, I'm, I'm going to remember like, I might like remember, some of the visuals of like Candyman floating things, around. I might remember things about it, but like we still like we're still fucking talking about like the enduring legacy of the original Candyman. Nothing 30, like that. No. Thirty years later, no, nothing like that. Are we going to be? Are we going to be? Is anybody going to be talking about this movie in thirty years? I don't think so. Like in the moment, I think it's a it's a perfectly competent like decent good fun time mm -hmm. i would even recommend it but while it doesn't spit in the face of the the original of its source material it is one of those films that i think is hurt by how good its source material it's, is it's an alien it covenant stands, it stands in yeah it is an alien covenant it stands it stands in the shadow of of its predecessor in a way that it will never be able to like realize. Um, so yeah, three and a half out of five for me. I think it can realize it. I d I do think that's possible. Yeah, but it didn't. No, but it didn't. <laughs> but it well, did not. Yeah, and ben. that's the thing. Like ultimately, the foundation in terms of the Candyman idea and mythos and story is there. So it's hard to fuck that up, really, mm. right? I no, know, I, I know. I, they, they fuck it up a lot. They <laughs> fuck up some, but like the core idea is going to yeah. be there regardless. Yeah. They and being like, Hollywood that's in general. My biggest problem here, you know, like I know I harped on this movie pretty hard. Coming out of this movie, I was originally going to give it a two and a half, but the more I've thought about it, the more I just don't like this movie i know again i've gone off on it but like it's such a literalist approach in that like it lays everything out to you so literally and tells you mm. specifically what's going on and how to feel and what to think and it's juggling all these different ideas that it completely lacks focus it's just a complete mess i will say like you said it's hard to fuck up uh, a Candyman movie because the base is so there, 
but like unlike you guys i don't think i would recommend this movie i think you'd be better off just seeing the original and yes, uh like skip this one if you only have time for one see the original yeah i, I think it's 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 a total mess and honestly the more i talk about it and think about it the more i dislike it so i i mean i think that's the case for us too we just didn't start yeah off just like you as much as you did yeah, yeah. so i i'm so torn between one and a half and two i'm gonna give it a two only say, yeah. in so far as yeah. it has good cinematography good acting good score and like it doesn't make me enjoy the original Candyman any less so that's true damn one and a half would have been wild like this yeah. movie's got problems yeah but, uh, two is already uh, uh pretty pretty hard anywho but, uh, uh that will it. give the Candyman remake reboot whatever sequel soft uh reboot. soft reboot slash sequel an average of uh, three out of five. And I guess I should clarify that when I say that I recommend this movie, it's in the context of, like, as we're recording, you know, the movie's pretty new. It's out. If you're trying to go to the theaters to see a movie, this isn't a bad one. It's pretty great in surround like, sound, too. I, yeah, I think we, that's one of the things that really sold the soundtrack also. We, like saw it Dolby, Dolby, we, yeah. we saw it in Dolby. It was nice. Um, like if you're, if you're just looking for a good time to go out to the movie theater, I think this is a fine one. Uh, as Ben said, if you only have time for the original Candyman or this one, for some reason, absolutely watch the original. Uh, but for anybody who's listening to this in like 2022 or whatever, uh, 2023, however many years down the line, like there's probably better stuff you can watch. Um, Anyway, uh, we, we we predicted this one. What are our Correct. numbers, Ben? I was just double-checking the numbers right now. Okay, so for Rotten Tomatoes, Tease, you predicted 86. Wow. Cleave, you High. predicted 80. And mm-hmm. I predicted 85. Right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at 84. Oh, Damn! Oh, All right. Well, that's okay. Away with that. You needed the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, Tease, you predicted this would have an overall rating of four and a half. Ooh. Cleave, you predicted five, and I predicted four. So that's pretty optimistic. By... Coming away with it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, damn. I got right. needed. Deserved. That's all right. That's all right. Um, next week, uh, it's time for a, a, a Patreon pick. Uh, and I believe our, our Patreon pick for next week comes to us from honorary pod boy Sarah Morris, uh, and she has recommended us The Beyond by Lucio Fulci, which is... Uh, not to be confused with From Beyond. Yes, not to be f- confused with From Beyond. <laughs> Definitely very different movies. This is The Beyond, <laughs> uh, the Italian giallo film... Uh, not the H.P. Lovecraft adaptation starring Jeffrey Combs. Anyway, I haven't seen this movie in several years, Never but seen. I remember thinking it was pretty fucking rad. So I'm I'm excited. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, we look forward to uh, to watching this one, and uh, you, dear listener, can tune back with us next week to hear our thoughts on it. Uh, this episode is sponsored by. Oh, that's me. Ringing.
ding, 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 ding. Yeah, so, uh, since since our last our last episode, the the sponsor shelf. I think last episode too, I, I denied the sponsor shelf and and took took one from the mail. It's mad. And uh, as a result, the sponsor shelf has fused itself to my foot. Um, and now my stomach just kind of rings and then, oh, oh God. All right. Well, this piece of paper has come out of my mouth, um, as dictated by the sponsor shelf and I must read it or I will combust. Um, this episode, ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is brought to you by an asteroid somewhere out in space that's hurtling directly towards you get out of there what are you doing the asteroid is coming the asteroid is coming we're all gonna fucking die uh you better uh fucking get your get in your car get in your car and start driving where are you gonna drive doesn't fucking matter because the asteroid's coming it's bigger than you it's bigger than your car it's bigger than your house it's bigger than your fucking everything because it's a fucking asteroid and it's coming and oh fuck oh man i hope that isn't this reality i hope it's like a tangential something and it's just a joke but i don't know maybe it's an asteroid maybe it's coming it's coming here it is. It's the asteroid. Ooh, Lord, it's coming. A lot. A lot coming. Here, here come that asteroid. All right. That'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. Is if that, you want to support... a Kamasi Washington album? Anyway. <laughs> no, there's a, 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 a jazz fusion band called The Comet Is Coming. Oh, yeah. That that's is, it. Hey, good uh, album. Is very Not a sponsor, about. but great album. Yeah. yeah they're, they're... The Comet uh, Is Coming. Yeah, Trust in the Life Force of the Deep Mystery is a fucking banger of an album. It is. So I need to go back um, and listen to that again. That's going to I that's going to be our our outro music for this week. Uh, <laughs> if you uh, themes. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we got there, gang. Thanks. Uh, if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a nice uh, little review. Doesn't have to be much, just a couple words about why you like the show. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com/podpeoplepod. Uh, and, uh, there are several subscriber tiers there that you can join. The highest of which is honorary pod boy. Thanks to our honorary pod boys, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. Uh, and next week you will get to hear, uh, the benefits of subscribing at that level because, uh, you can suggest us, uh, films to watch and review on the podcast. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at Some Spooky Snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally taking pictures of uh, Matisse's cat, Minnie. Uh, and uh, She's when I'm great right now, she really is. Uh, the there's a great lens flare that just came off of the camera. Uh, well, I'll take those photos. Uh, and when I'm not doing that, um, I am uh, man, what a majestic creature. Uh, when I'm not doing that, uh, I am uh, occasionally tweeting for Lightark Studio as we put out progress on It Stares Back, our wonderful top down RTS strategy horror game with lots of cool narrative and lore. Um, and if you're into lore. Why don't you join our Discord? We have lots of people, like uh, members of our community, willing to chat about it. Uh, I'm in there sometimes chatting about those things as well. The lore. Um, It's deep. It is. It's deep lore. And uh, who doesn't love that? Uh, And um, you can also check out my work on ArtStation, and you can check out my work uh, with uh, the publisher, uh, video game publisher DreadXP, as we put out cool games. Um, uh, One of which... Uh, most recently being Spookware. Go check it out. It's fucking rad. A very fun game. If you like, like, WarioWare mini games and stuff, and you also like um, cute RPG little stories with lots of cute bone-related puns and things, it's 
it's a it's a real delight um, of a game. Honestly, I, I've I've had a lot of it was a lot of fun getting to getting to work on that one um, with the studio. So big big shout out to War uh, to to Spookware, and uh, that's it for me. All right, thank you, listener, for listening. And until next time, if you liked the show, tell everyone.